Hmm. All, right, All right, no more crazy talk. No more hate speech out of you, Joel. All right, oh or disinformation for you, Andreas. Son of a bitch. Anyway, yeah, let's get to it. It's time for practical shooting after dark, folks. You know the you know the deal. We're here to talk about shooting. Everybody comes here with a topic, something to talk about. On deck tonight, uh, from the state of Nebraska, Mr. Park. Hello. Say hello to all your fans, all the people who love you so much. That'd be okay. Yeah. yeah and Mr. Yankopoulos from Georgia. What's up? Peace. <laughs> all right. Andreas so, is throwing gang signs for the audio listeners. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, everybody has uh, something to talk about. I think, uh, you know, interesting things. So who, who'd like to go first? Ben, I think you have the most interesting. Yeah, I want to hear about your trip. All right. So uh, I went and got to experience a little bit of IPSC shooting in Mexico, which... Um, Probably most people would think it's just illegal, right? I mean, based on That's what you're thinking about Mexico. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that would be uh, – so they have – I mean, they have a lot of legal restrictions, like a lot. Uh, so they end up having, um, I'm told, 400 IPSC, like, members. So, like, USPSA has 30 however many thousand, like, and then some percentage of that is active, you know, and then – you know, varying degrees of active and like probably 5% of that number is super active, that kind of stuff. It's, you know, the same percentages work out there. So there's like maybe 130 or 150 really, you know, kind of active people. So uh, it's it's not that big. And the uh, most interesting legal restriction is that they have to use 380. All of them? Everyone? Yes. Like they have a, a bespoke rule that the power factor is 90. That changes things a bit. Uh, well, it does. I mean, uh, so the way it works is if you're shooting a 380, um, you get a Glock. That's the, what the Glock model 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is that a Glock 17 size pistol? No, it's the compact size. The 19, 1923 then. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was using. I was okay. using one of those, um, that really the problem you, you'd think, hey, these guns are going to be way better. Like It'll just be like the same thing, just like yeah. easier to shoot because less power factor. But, man, those guns, by and large, they kind of suck uh, because fundamentally you're shooting guns that are designed for 9mm that are converted in some way for 380. Mm -hmm. And the guns just don't run that well. Like there's guys shooting Shadow 2 conversions, like a, a 380 Shadow 2 or um, – I mean there's – I had a variety that, of guns in that class. That Walser you posted in, that was a 380 also? That was a 9mm because that was loaned to me by a uh, a guy. Like the, the only people who have access to 9mm is military. So, so I did some shooting with a, like their military IPSC team. Like mm -hmm. we weren't doing any like tactical whatever. It was mm -hmm. IPSC, their IPSC team that their military has. So for that, I got to use 9mm. Gotcha. So the reason for the 380 is because it's a non like NATO or non military. Or non -military. Right. So that's what civilians have access to. Okay. But like I'm saying, like you, you would think it would be like easier to shoot, but the guns like they cycle really kerchunky. They don't yeah. run that well. Um, what about like doubles then? Like your timing, uh, timing the gun would be a lot different than I'm assuming. Well, this is what I was talking about. So I mean, I got to figure this out on the fly because I never shot a Glock 25 before. 
So I'm like, here's your gun, Ben. I look at it. I'm like, okay, here's my gun. So like load this up and I'm doing my, you know, going through the class and doing all the bullshit. And then we get to doubles where I'm like demonstrating doubles. I'm thinking like, you know, so it's predictive shooting, right? Yeah. Based uh-huh. on your training and experience, you, you have uh, none of you, you yeah, get yours the ability starting to predict right now. how the gun's gonna behave. And I'm thinking like, I don't know how this is gonna go. And I'm like, I genuinely, I was it was interesting, like I genuinely don't know how this is gonna go. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I was kind of backed up, like cracking them off with that gun, it was pretty interesting. What happened, Ben? Um, well, I had a hard, the gun was a little slick for me, so I had, had a hard time keeping my support hand on it. But um, it was like, it was the factory trigger, so I could hold the gun flat. Like it didn't, I could shoot it super fast, even at like 20 yards. But with the, the limitation I was running into was the factory Glock trigger, which is, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's not like bad. It's just heavier. It's just harder to yeah. work with. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but I got to. I was kind of like on the job training there, I guess. So, uh, product. They call it production IPSC, right? So basically, that's what everybody shoots there. Yeah. So interestingly, everybody in the whole country that I interacted with was shooting iron sights. And so, yeah. Okay. So you said there are a hundred and some very active people so are they all near mexico city or around mexico city or are they um i don't really know how they're dispersed but there seems to be clubs around like there's a club in cancun Mm -hmm. um i think they said there was a club in guadalajara mexico city obviously would have the most but the population density there is insane you know and what were the what were the what were the range facilities like um, so the military range was the most beautiful range I've ever shot on. It was really? like, yeah. So it was like, uh, I don't know. I think the military is like some fucked up, like social class thing in Mexico. It like works different than here, but it was an equestrian center Oh wow! where it was huge. It had like 10, I don't know what you go, like paddocks or whatever for horses to give you an idea. There, there must've had hundreds of horses there. And then people taking care of them. And then civilians, the base was like open to civilians. So there were civilians that paid or some shit to come there and train with the horses. And then the military unit that works with horses, like was there with them. I mean, and it was beautiful. It looked like a country club. And then they had like a a CQB like shoot house as well for their whatever other like special forces training. And then they had some shooting ranges and they have an IPSC team and, uh, like the the range for the IPSC team was like so you, you can imagine like a country club so uh-huh. they manicured lawn and everything mm-hmm. um, really nice but the 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 backstop was like we it, it was like you were butted up against a mountain with like like rainforest crap in front of it it was oh. gorgeous I was really I mean I was very happy to be shooting there it was very nice sounds excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And, uh, you know, I tried the local food, local flavors as I, as is my custom, you know, always mm-hmm. have good trips. Uh, the civilian range was a little more shit just because of the location. Like the shooting range was fine, but it was like, I don't know, an hour out of the city. Like, like it was like, uh, 20 minutes where you're basically off-roading to get mm-hmm. to the range. If you give you an idea of the kind of how remote it was. But, you know, aside from the, the well, actually, I shouldn't say that location sucked. I mean, it was just hard for you to get there. Once you were there, the elevation was something like, I don't know, it was high. They said something like 
2,000 or 3,000 meters. And you could tell because it was cold up there, which was nice, right? So it was like 55 degrees and overcast and super pleasant, super comfortable for me. I mean, they were freezing their asses off, oh. but, but I was good to go. From Wisconsin, yeah. Yes. And then they were obviously uh, from Mexico City, which that, that was like to them, it was like the apocalypse when it was 50 degrees. <laughs> And so they have the, the 380 restriction. How about with magazines? Can they run the capacity? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't specifically ask, but all the all this the stuff seemed full cap that I that I fucked around with. Okay. So they didn't mention they any that. stuff like that. Yeah. Um yeah, not I guess not too much to say otherwise. About the not not much else that would be noteworthy unless you guys have questions. I guess when they travel internationally, do they just get a, a different barrel for their gun? If they're going to shoot matches in the Caribbean or um, outside based, Mexico? Based on the guys I interacted with, I would suspect they'd rent guns. Okay. Which is kind of common, common-ish for IPSC anyway. Okay. Yeah, so you just fly there yourself and then you, you rent your gun and buy your ammo for the match once you yeah. get there. I would really suspect that that would be what they do, but I didn't specifically ask. I didn't. I didn't get the idea that there was a whole lot of that going on. But a lot of the guys had shot in the states. Like hey, I did this training class. One guy was like, "Oh, I trained with Robbie, and I did this and that." I would assume with borrowed equipment, but I don't know. Okay. Good question, though. All right, let's move on, Mr. Park. You got a show and tell? I do have a show and tell. It's not really tell that exciting. So, uh, well, my homeboy, uh, John, came and stayed with me this weekend. We, uh, I taught a class on Saturday, and then he came sun Saturday night. Uh, and then we shot a pro-am match, which was fun, on Sunday. So I was like, hey, I'll, like, I'll just shoot whatever you shoot, whatever gun you, like, whatever division you want to shoot, that'll just be my class gun. So he's messing around with carry optics. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll do that, too. That sounds cool. So I, I train with my Glocks a little bit and use that for the class, and then we get to the match. And... Uh, I mean, I'm still, I suppose, still getting tuned up with them or still getting used to them. But every once in a while, like, magazines kind of fall slow. And on the first stage of the program match, like, I hit the button and they kind of fall slow. And when I kind of, like, shook the gun a little bit, luckily I had fun, plenty of time and it fell out. And so somehow we were, like, talking about that when I'm loading mags. Like, yeah, dude, you got to use this. I'm like, well, what do you got? And he has this, to you guys, probably common sense. But this, it's just a silicone cloth. cloth. It's no, like silicone lube for your mags. Yes. Joey, like, you have previously showed me an extensive collection of lubricants in your house. Was that for something else? Oh, Ben, I hate you so much. <laughs> Come on. I thought that was a cracker, but... Uh, that was actually not. pretty good, but I still hate you. Uh, okay. So I, anyway, I remember like Tyler Turner talking about spraying his mags or something back in the day. But John was like, yeah, just give me your mags. And so it's just this, yeah, this cloth. It has silicone lube in it, oddly enough. Just rub it on the outside of the magazines and just like it. Kind of like a little bit of a film where they kind of feel like shiny and kind of smooth. Almost... I won't even make any more jokes because then Ben will just go nuts with it. Uh, but anyway, just no, I said my joke. All right, then. Uh, but that was it. Basically, just wipe off the mag once, like on each side. And for that's it. The rest of the day, I was good to go. Uh, I could tell even drawing it from my pouch, it does change the feeling of the magazine a little bit. But then it was basically just like anytime I hit the button, whether the magazine had no rounds or five rounds or whatever, the magazine just fell out and didn't didn't hang up in the gun at all. So... Uh, of course, before we even like left the range, I already had one ordered from Amazon. This one's just Birchwood Casey. It was six dollars and like fifty cents from Amazon. But whenever I'm shooting my Glock, I will always have one of these now because it was super valuable, super handy. Yeah, the magazines can hang up a little bit once they get dirty on a Glock. 
Just the, the plastic on plastic. Yeah. Well, and the other interesting thing was, I was like, well, do I have to do this after every stage or how often? And even on the magazines, like, Ben, you've been in my range. It's there's kind of it's like a little bit of dusty and there's kind of like some rock, gravel. There's patches where it's just dirt, whatever. And whenever I got the magazines, I just kind of wiped off the outside with a towel and it was good to go. It wasn't like I needed to reapply it or like the dust and dirt wasn't sticking to the outside body of the magazines. So, like I said, for $6.50, it's a no-brainer. I will always have one of those with me when I'm... And you kind of found class. out the hard way. Indeed, I did. Did the Pro-Am match go well? You don't know Otherwise? what you don't know. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I, I like the format a lot. It's fun, like, head-to-head -head with the bros. And then there's no, like, hit factor. It's very easy to tell, you know. I like that your club does that. I mean, what is... Is there any, like, stuff that could be improved about the that, that kind of style of match at the club level? Yes, there's one I would imagine problem. I would imagine there's two big ones. Let me guess. Yep. One is reset time, mm -hmm. which, you know, it just is what it is. I guess you know what you're getting into if you show up. Mm -hmm. Number two would be getting those part times where they need to be at a club level event with, you know, like because the part time being set red is super important to make it a good match. It's make or break, honestly. And we learned that the hard way where some of it like there was a match where we'd set it tight. So. The way it should be, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, is if the top guy has a perfect run and you, you know, you take one shot at each plate and they all go down, that should be the part time. The way I've had it explained to me by, I think, Phil Strader, it was pretty smart. It's like, listen, if, if like the fast guys, you know, the top guys are some are faster, or slower, or whatever, but they're kind of basically the same speed. Mm -hmm. And it's like if a guy like that can go through there and take one aimed shot at every plate in the time allotted, you know, like pretty consistently, like they can just like not, not waste time, but just like one quick aimed shot, like mm -hmm. on everything, like, and then boom, that's the part time. Yep. So we, and ran I thought matches. that sound that made sense to me, somebody who I just want to say this, I've never participated in a pro-am match. I did though one time help out uh Savigny because he was putting on a pro-am match in Georgia. And he asked me to like, he's like, I was teaching or some shit. I couldn't shoot the match. But he asked me to help set the part-time. So I just shot all the stages. And they set the part-time. That worked out really well. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, the way we have it worked now is, like, the, the heavy hitters, like, there'll be, like, two or three of us. Well, like, the same deal. It's, like, reactive shooting on every plate and running absolutely as hard as you can between the positions. That'll get you a time. And we did one or maybe two matches like that. And I know it's no surprise. when I mean, you've got GMs and you've got D-class people. It, it challenged the top guys. But for the middle or, like, entry-level competitor – it was just no fun. Like some guys would get six rounds out of that's the why that's done. why there's two part times, right? One for pros and one for amateurs. Yeah, and we talked about doing that, but then administratively it was too tough because how do you know they get the right one? What's the time be for each one? What if they got the wrong timer? We just weren't going to do it. So what we ended up doing uh, was basically the top guy goes through and shoots reactively on every single plate, and then it's not perfect, but we end up adding maybe two to four seconds depending on what the stage is so, it, so that makes it too easy to clean stuff right it does for the top guys so like i mean most of us we cleared a couple stages each yeah if you, if you have a good run which that makes it maybe less interesting for the top but, guys but when you say good like it wasn't a perfect run right like Correct. there was a couple extras in there some little mm -hmm. fumbles yep. like it's i mean ideally it's like so when the run's perfect you get a clean one if yeah you, and so this you could have some extras and some makeups and still clear it but for the bulk of the field, let's say C and B class guys, that was overwhelming, like, yes, this is what we need because obviously they get to shoot more. So 
maybe it's a little bit easier for the top guys, but for the general skill level, uh, they have a more enjoyable experience. So it's uh, normally five stages and then a tiebreaker, or maybe four stages and a tiebreaker. So four to five of them will be all knockdown steel. That's your number. Then the last stage will be a tiebreaker, which you'll shoot all the plates, get a time. And then whatever Ben had, 22 seconds and 12, or 22.12, whatever the time is, like that's it. And then if everybody has the same number of plates, whoever has the fastest time on that tiebreaker, that determines the, the tie, if I'm making sense. So was there, with the part times that you guys set, was there a clear winner at the end? Yes. Uh, the top guys, I think maybe between one or two plates, a couple in between. But, so the top the top field was pretty pretty close then a couple of plates but very interesting I sorry sorry to sidetrack you Joel no you're you're good it's unless really you fun. wanted another loop joke no I'm okay I'm trying to quit yeah, but we do like maybe three or four of those a year and just as a something I mean mainly a USPSA focused club it's fun just to hang out with the homeboys and do something different a handful of times a year fantastic all right Mr Andreas I assume you have some uh, heady like nerd level wisdom to not, drop not, on us. not this time this is going to be more a combination of a observation plus a rant that, no, um, dude, are you angry about something i love no, no, getting no, excited no. right now I'm getting <laughs> excited. no maybe you can get me angry yeah but, um, oh baby the, uh, i had no idea this was even a possibility dude <laughs> so in teaching you you obviously get students who have have taken classes before and what I'm surprised on is how many people I've had show up who have had a bunch or they've done a bunch of pistol classes and they've never moved with a firearm. And in most cases, they've never transitioned at all. In some cases, they've done transitions between two targets that are right next to each other. Mm -hmm. But or these are body and then head. Yeah, body to head, or maybe there are two targets right next to each other and they were transitioning. But th this is really surprising to me that, um, like, evidently you can go take multiple weekend classes, like some of which build on each other, and at the end you've never moved with your with your handgun. Huh? And the other, well, what are they? What were they saying they're training for? I think they're not really sure. Like sometimes these are like these are people who have not shot matches, obviously, so they're getting some kind of like marksmanship or, or tactical or CCW well, I mean, type training. They're going for tactical or CCW training. This makes sense. If you look at like footage of like real world sort of shooting events, everybody's standing still the whole time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. That's just, pretty much my observation. You stand still at like five yards in between you and then whoever can whip the gun out faster and then you just keep shooting each other, exchanging gunfire. And then whoever falls down first, like that's obviously the loser. Yeah. That's pretty much and how that works. Anyway. And that would so maybe other, that's the market they're they're they were training for. Could be. Makes sense. And the other the other thing I'm seeing a lot is the students that are here. They tend to have good good gun handling and shoot accurately, but they've never really shot under real time pressure. Like a part time. So not well. Or just like a standard. No, you're, you're more like shooting I, shooting predictively. Like they're like the oh, whole okay. shooting predictively is something very so, new to so them. They, they're, they they shoot at a pace where. It's like they personally can pull the trigger straight. And the solution yes. to the marksmanship problem is hold up, slow down, pull the trigger straight. Yes, it's to, to do everything yeah. at a speed that's not, that doesn't feel fast. Or the, to do everything at a speed where you can control things and to not push into territory where you're coming off the rails. Sure. 
so the 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 rant so the rant observation part would be um maybe for the listeners if this describes the classes that you've been going to then uh maybe need to get out more or something like that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think those are listeners to the show probably not but it's uh yeah, it's it, it's been interesting working with these with these students and really giving them giving them a swift kick in the rear to to go faster. Uh, what's the biggest like moment where you have them do something and they can't believe the results? Like they're amazed. Usually when I when I'm pushing them to go faster and mm-hmm. they hold things together. Mm-hmm. That their 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 grips their grips pretty good. They're trigger pull is pretty good and like we're doing we're doing doubles or we're just we're doing a drill with multiple targets and i'm just man you just you got to go faster you got to go faster i want to see what happens Andres, and that they uh that they stick that they keep it together and it's just Andres, an eye-opening moment this is this is maybe off tr- off track i'm sorry to interrupt you um but i don't think it really is uh so you can kind of tell uh, a lot about somebody's background depending on you know, when you're watching them shoot the stuff they're comfortable with. And there's a certain segment of the population that you've identified where they it's it's shoot standing still. It's marksmanship first. And then, hey, just like slow down and get your hits, watch the front sight and, you know, handle the gun safely and all that shit. But then that's that's kind of the limit. You know what I mean? Yes. And then like uh, that's that's all that's ever being tested. Right. And then the other side is, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of jump into USPSA and then all they ever train on is like scenarios or mini stages. Ninja yes. stuff. Yes. <laughs> and it's really interesting to watch that uh, stuff sort of you, you, you to interact with those people and you see that attitude in classes. Like here's an example. The guys in Mexico, I'm not going to be mean, but they're not very strong shooters there. Um, generally speaking, they don't have I mean, the, the access, the limitations, it'd be it would be hard very to become hard. a strong shooter there. Yes, it'd be very hard. And then, you know what I mean? It'd be tough. So I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's like, but these these are, you know, like B-class dudes that I was interacting with, right? Like not, they're not like incapable. They're just, they're not, they're not super great. Uh, but they, like, they were mind blown how much time we spent working on like basic shit, like marksmanship and transitions. Mm-hmm. Could not believe it. Told them how much I train on that. Like, hey, this like marksmanship stuff, like practical accuracy and doubles and these sorts of drills. That's like half my ammo in a year. And like either like, like they didn't understand it. They're telling me like all of their training is dynamic, all like uh-huh. scenarios and mini stages. Yeah. And it and it's like they and then they saw right away like, hey, we've been training all fucked up. Like we don't even like we haven't really mastered this stuff. We don't understand you know the limitations with this other basic stuff, and we're just kind of repeating what we already know shooting stages all the time. Yeah, you're not gonna try to practice eight things at a, at a time, like what you do in a stage. I don't know how this is going to get you spun up into a rant. I'm still trying to figure that part out. Yeah. I mean, it's more, yeah, how, how are, how are people spending their money when they, when they go train <laughs> or how are people spending their money when they uh, go to the range? Do you get a sense that a lot of people kind of like living in that comfort zone though? Oh yes. The entertainment type of crowd. <laughs> yeah. And you, you kind of notice some just want to go back in there after they do a class with me and other others get fired up. Like, man, this is like, this is stuff I haven't seen before. It's really cool. I want to do more of it. And others are like, okay, I've taken a look and I'm, I don't really like this. And I'm just going to go back to doing what I enjoy. 
and what makes me comfortable. Uh, I mean, and then to you, you're like, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to tell anybody how they should have fun. I like when you, uh, I'm sure you guys have had this many, many more times than I have, like getting somebody doing predictive shooting for the first time and you move back to like maybe 10 yards. You're like, yeah, just trust. It's going to be fine, dude. Like rip the gun properly, press the trigger, whatever. And they wrap off, you know, a couple splits. They're like, holy crap. Those are all both in the target. And they're both alphas and people's eyes just about pop out of their head. But yeah. like, I didn't even know you could do that. Like I only aimed one time where how'd the other bullet get there? It's pretty, uh, yeah, yeah I've had a I've had a couple of law enforcement students who are are good and like extremely they've all been extremely accurate shooters and they've just it's really been eye opening for them when they're like the idea of shooting like sub 20 splits at 10, 15 yards and that they're putting both of them in the A zone. They're like, man, I've never I've never uh, I've never shot that fast. I never even tried to shoot that fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like those two things are connected. Those two points you yeah. just made. Yeah. Yeah. Then I get email. Then I get emails a couple of weeks later about how they just smoked their quals. <laughs> well, that's good. <sighs> people helping people, Andreas. It's powerful. That's what that's what it's about. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, guys. We got a question. I suppose maybe for me and Joel, but maybe Andreas can chime in. So for the most part, the Wisconsin section match was well-received. What do you think sucked about it, and how would uh, you make it better if you could do it over? Also, I know the location is voted up there in Wisconsin. Can you explain, explain how that process works and why, maybe? Uh, okay. Uh, Joel, uh -huh. we've been on this show, especially you. Uh -huh. I get a lot of emails about this. We have been savage to certain matches at certain times, I think uh -huh. it's fair to say. Yeah. Mostly you. Um not wrong. Not as much me, but mostly you. Uh, I know. <laughs> God, I'm so full of shit. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. I was going to um, go with it. Well, so I think it's like let's we can critically analyze kind of our own uh, our own match. Yeah, I've got what, one. What, if you want what would we change about it? Uh well, I don't want to say anything that's going to upset anybody. Ben, you saw me almost get visibly angry at one point about how the water was handled. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Can All I right. talk about that or should I not? Or do you want to talk about it? Well, I mean, well, we just, we had, there was like some kids like what had the, had the, uh, it was a cart uh, on the back. It had a bunch of water, like water bottles and a cooler. And they're just kind of like driving up and down the aisle. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you have to stop. And it's like, Hey, you clowns want some water and like give it to them. Like, Oh, okay. And they did that like for one bay or two bays. And then kind of stopped. Doing, I was like, oh, well, I, I got this. So I'm like, Ben, I'm like, get that, like, go get that cooler. I want that. And yeah. So, so, like, Ben and I just like, I threw that on the back of the cart. Sorry, we're gonna say Ben. Yeah, I mean, basically, like the way the water was hand was being handed out, we we kind of solved that on the spot. Like, I would change that. So, like, the larger issue there was there was kind of a few different entities at work. So there's me, match director. Then there's the club which is a whole set of dudes that don't shoot USPSA and that I don't really know or communicate with. And this is on me, but this is just the reality. There's a whole set of people I don't really know or communicate with. There's the section coordinator and his wife who did, what, I conservatively 90% of the work for the match, would you say, Joel? Yes, they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then there was, you know, you doing what you were doing, which was kind of like, hey, Joel, handle this and this and this. Mm -hmm. You know, I would just kick stuff to you whenever I felt like it. So... Let me put it this way. Like, it was difficult for us to exert control over 
stuff the club was doing and uh some like most of the stuff the club did was great like they built a huge tent and mm-hmm. and uh they got they got a bunch of sawdust so we could kind of mitigate the sand in the bays a little bit in a couple spots like but a couple things sucked and one of them was the uh the water situation like the way they decided to handle water just didn't it just didn't work effectively we should yeah. add coolers you know spread out but anyway i ran out of, ran out of patience uh we ended up just stealing no, a stealing we a cooler. solved it the best we could on the spot but in future yeah, it worked out okay so then ben and i just drove up and down the aisle you know handing people water which ended up working okay we we solved it but i would have changed that um we had a couple backups uh-huh um hard, i don't know really what the car i mean we had uh, a long course and then a big tra- uh, uh, well really it was caused by pulling the chronograph it was yeah, so uh, the the chronograph was fucked up. I didn't personally really care that much. I don't think many people do. Like, hey, we're not doing chrono. I don't think many people really give a shit. Well, let's we give them every. Let's give them every. The we're going. Well, I mean, we we're planning on setting up. We we plan to get a chronograph. Like, I mean, yeah, like they're we, going to like, test it. It's kind of wonky, and it's like if it's not right, I don't want it. Right. So when the, the chronograph was set up, I don't know if it was operator error, what the problem was. It wasn't working, what, the first day of the, the, when the staff shot. They didn't let us or we couldn't figure a way to chronograph, you know, everybody or do anything within the rules. So the chronograph got pulled. That caused some backups. Obviously, in future, <laughs> we want to make sure the guys know how to work the chronograph or mm-hmm. solve whatever the problem is. That was uh, that that part sucked. Uh, a little bit, but as far as uh, I don't know then, what what we change anything about the stages because I've given that a lot of thought. Well, I also wanted to address the like people did have downtime, but that was part of the schedule. So, for instance, like you're going to be on a bay for this amount of time, and obviously, if it's a short course, you're going to get done with it sooner, and if it's a, a long field course, you're going to take the full amount of time. And some people saw that as like a backup, but that was just like we had to schedule squads for the same amount for each bay. That's just. That was kind of how it works. So some you took the full time and some you got done sooner. Yeah, but, I guess we could have like built the stages in different order, but the bays were kind of, you know, they they kind of had to fit in the bays. It, I don't know. It, well, that could like, have been adjusted and improved, I suppose, in some way. Maybe or change the order. But honestly, otherwise, we could have made all the stages like 20 rounds and made no, it flow. I, I wasn't going to do no, that. No, 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 no. But I mean, and make it flow really well. But that wouldn't have been what we wanted. So that, that's, like, not that's, on, just, that's not even on the table as far as I'm concerned. I agree. So it just kind of comes to the territory. Uh, ben and I haven't really talked about this before now, by the way. Well, maybe That's like why that. I read this question now, because yeah. I, I knew it'd be hitting with hitting with the cold. Uh, Andreas, what? did you yeah, see what? any any footage of the match? I like the stages that I saw, that there looked like there were some legit different ways to shoot the stages. Mm-hmm. With, the, um, with the match flow that you're talking about, one thing I've seen is... Uh, you can get long you can get short stages to take longer and long stages to take shorter based on the difficulty of reset so if you have a long stage and you throw in multiple activators that's going to make it even longer to reset versus if you have a long stage that's mostly paper that's actually I'm good I'm glad you brought that up one stage that had a few reshoots on it it was caused by bullets going through hardcover and knocking down steel and the RO there was calling it really tight like he if he if it went through the, the barrel, he called it every time. 
and had a reshoot. So it would have been better to use uh, actual physical hardcover, like a steel plate. I didn't have one. I sh- should have. I should have seen that that might be a problem on that particular stage. And then sometimes with those, I've also Sorry. seen that they've uh, said that if the, if the, depending on how the barrels are set up, that you just call the barrels a soft cover. And that can make for some interesting stage playing. Like if right, you know that's if- that's what the RO said. Like, hey, we should have this as soft cover, but that would um, fuck up. Like, I had barrels obscuring in a couple other spots on the stage, you know? Yeah. Which, like, I, I would have, had I thought to do that, I would have built the stage differently, um, slightly to adjust. But yeah, either a steel plate or a, do something else. Yes, good ideas. Uh, and then with, uh, oh, yeah, with, with no. water, uh, one thing that gets a little tricky with the, uh, um, is to make it very obvious which which is the water for the competitors and which are the coolers that the uh, the range staff is using. Like in some so, matches, you just, you go, you get to the stage and there are a bunch of coolers and you're like, uh, can I get in any of these or which ones, like you're, you're opening it up and it's a guy sandwich. You're like, oh, not, not that one. Oh, I always just take the sandwich. <laughs> so in some cases, like you'll like, uh, like in the, at the at the Georgia State match, they'll put the coolers kind of out in the walking area where you where you're walking between between the uh, stages, and that way, even if let's say you have a ten stage match and you only have five coolers, you just put one for every two stages, and that keeps it simple. Then yeah. you know, then you know that everything that's on the stage belongs to the match staff. Um, let's see. I wish we would Anything have else we'd change about the match for the I Rhodesian up, wall. Uh, this, the the, uh, the Rhodesian wall I kind of liked, but I wish I we would have added up the, the barrels to the shooting area. That's the only thing I was going to say. Oh yeah, that would have been way better. So they're not try, not co- issued with that. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I wish we would have done that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say uh, I wish that I'd known that I was supposed to do a a meeting on a staff day a shooter's meeting on staff day i was uh unaware of that my management style i'd say is fairly loose so people make decisions for me a never lot i don't necessarily <laughs> i yeah. don't necessarily know they've been made and then i can't just, see that happening people just yeah. text you the notes that they want you to talk about in the meeting that you've They're been like hey ben, do this or this i'm like all right game on like <laughs> let's go I, I trust that this has uh i mean but the loose management style is actually good because uh like, uh, if you just put the right people in place and let them let them run wild, typically good things happen. Mm-hmm. That'd be my defense. Okay, uh, and the uh, second question: uh, the location is voted up there in Wisconsin. Can you explain how that process works and why? Maybe. So our sections run by a board, and each club gets a vote. So um, that's the way our section bylaws function. So I don't know how many clubs are in the state now. I think maybe fourteen or thirteen or some shit. Um, so those 13 clubs collectively decide which club is going to host um, the match. Now, uh, this this is kind of good because uh, the club, kind of the club representatives are the match directors or someone they delegate. So it's the people that know the people, like the match directors, buddies with the guys that help him set up. And those are buddies. Those are like the sorts of people that are going to volunteer to be range officers potentially. And um like, for example, I had to borrow um, some movers uh, and I think some other stuff. I, I had to borrow props from another club uh, in order to have enough for the match. So that's like like a three-hour road trip for me. That was a fun day, actually. Anyway, um, it's 
it's a collaborative effort. Like each the the clubs have to cooperate in order to put on the match uh, because I don't think any single club has enough resources. Um, speaking mostly in terms of people, but a lot of times in terms of material to to put on the match. So they have to get together and decide, and that they do it by voting. And to be honest with you, it's a game of hot potato in this state. Nobody fucking wants it. Like what I said at uh, last year's uh, meeting was, hey. If you guys have the match at my club, I would be happy to build the stages for you, which turned into me being the match director <laughs> really quickly. Because um, that's how I was like, nobody else wants to be the match director. And it's like, oh, well, if Ben's the match director, it's like, well, it's probably not going to suck. You know, <laughs> like it'll be at least, you know, OK, so, yeah, you do it. You know, that was it. Um, so like, it's the, the game of hot potato has shifted to another club. Let me put it that way. Any uh, any questions about that, gentlemen? I don't think so. Nothing here. Any comments, jokes, nothing? Some banter? If you had to pick one thing that you think was the absolute best decision you made about the section match, what would that be? That's a that's a good question. Best decision. Uh -huh. uh, um, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know, like, what was the, the highlight was what, the stages? I don't know. Like, I was just, it was just a random question I was asking myself. I was kind I of I think thinking. the thing people really liked was the stage design. And I think the best decision I had, I, I made was to be sort of, uh, let me put it this way, it was bold. It was like something different that people hadn't seen before. I haven't shot a match like it. I put I together thinking, something really different. You Yeah. You that I knew that I knew. Something. There was going to be a lot of, especially when people like saw the diagrams and didn't really, I mean, when you see the stages in person, they laid out a lot different. Um, but I thought I, I knew that I'd catch a lot of shit, um, especially before the people shot. And I was happy after the fact that people kind of enjoyed it and they kind of got what got, got what we were trying to do. Yeah. I was going to say the only other, the other, other thing that came to mind other than the stage being fantastic was I feel like the officiating was really good and being selective about what ROs we chose, I think was excellent. Cause there were yeah. like ROs that you, like I genuinely wanted to have there and they were fantastic. <clears throat> yes, the officiating was generally good. There was a couple mistakes, but I was happy. Like uh, we had uh, a situation on one stage where a guy's got a bunch of uh, foot faults that were honestly, they were bullshit. And uh, a guy came up and talked to me at lunch. Like, hey, I got like these procedurals on this stage for this reason, I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. You should go talk to the RO, and this is what you should say. And uh, problem got solved, so that's good. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, a bang-up podcast, I think. This was gentlemen. a bang-up podcast. Truly. We should oh, just rip this, rip this and use this for Training Group Live instead, and then you could record some other little like garbage for After Dark. I have a better idea, Joel. Why don't you just do your show by yourself and do a monologue about all the oils you have in your house and explain them <laughs> in detail how they're used? Listeners, if you have a question you, you want the bitch. answer to, go to my website, yeah.com. Send me your questions. Joel love to hear Parks you. Lubricant yeah. Tips. How do I? Yeah, and if you, and if you have call. questions on oils, yes, Dot obviously oil. talk to you. I can't end the Joel. call anymore. <laughs>